Good morning. Man, I'm standing up here and I'm like seeing crosswalks squad deep Come on. In, the, in on the worship van. You, youth workers, leaders, may I encourage you that they may not worship during junior high or even senior high, but as you pray and as the Lord works, you get a chance to see them lead worship, become worshipers. And you realize, Lord, the work is yours. It's all about you. Well, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all my iniquities, who heals all my diseases, who redeems my life from destruction who crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful. And gracious, abounding in mercy and loving kindness. And he is worthy of our love. He's worthy of our lives. He's worthy of our praise. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, it's funny. God is so kind and so gracious and so patient with us. And I can remember, I think I was a sophomore in Bible college and we were going to this prison somewhere in Pennsylvania to do a service, and I wasn't teaching. It was another guy, a dear brother named Ed. I believe he's with the Lord now. And as he stood up, all of a sudden he realized that he had gotten the wrong notes or forgot his notes. So I'm kind of sitting there. I'm like 18 years old, started ministering and preaching when I was 16, 17. I'm thinking, notes? Dude, just go for it. What do you need notes for? Well, this I'm coming to, for this session, and I just take a check in my iPad, and it was like 12% left. So I get to church, and I'm like grabbing a plug, and it was one of those you know newer iPads with the weird adapter, the C thing, and the fire, and, and I'm plugging, and I thought about Ed. It's like, yeah, see, Mister, who needs notes? You know, now that you're 60, you do. You need notes. So, you know, we have to sometimes be careful. Uh, my, my, my beloved bride and my, my, my kids, they, they remind me all the time. Uh, Dad can many times sit at the worship of his own opinion. And growing up and, uh, in West Philly, born and raised, sometimes you just kind of have a lot of mouth, you know, and the Lord works on quieting it. Before I go any further, Want to give a mission to Mexico 2000 team shout out. Happy birthday, April Duran. Yes. Long time since sleeping in the desert in an opera. You know, and the Lord has been gracious and he's been so kind. And I wanted to share uh, this before we open the word. For you that are youth leaders, 
youth workers, whether you're still high school, young adult, whether you're a youth pastor, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for following God's lead to love his peeps. I want to thank you for standing up for those that at times the church forgets. I was blessed. I served in our junior ministry for 25 years, and I was blessed to be in a fellowship where my senior pastor loved young people and um, allowed us to play laser tag in the sanctuary, you know. There were others who weren't happy about it, but never him. That's not always the case. But thank you. Thank you for choosing a ministry that never ends. I remind my former junior hires, and some of them are approaching 40, that I kept all the pictures. And that if I want my car washed, they will get my car washed. Because I have the pictures. And some of them are like, we know you do. How can we serve you? Thank you for teaching without seeing much fruit or receiving a thank you for loving difficult people, people who are at a stage of life where in many ways everything's hard. And the word of God does not return void. Your teaching's not fruitless. It's just, you know, I thought to myself as I came up, I said, wow, I can actually come up and smile the way you see Pastor Chuck smile before he starts a teaching. Because this was our room for 20-something years or so, junior high. And usually when I came up, I wasn't smiling. I was like, yo, you know. <laughs> Don't hit him again. You know, I mean, so I thought to myself, wow, in CPAC, I can actually come up and just look around and smile. And not be like, yeah, we'll be talking later, me and you. you know, so. <laughs> Thank you for giving of your resources that will never be reimbursed. Until glory, and it's going to so matter. Thank you for seeing something in students that others don't see. It's amazing the diamonds in the rough that God gives us. And I will say this, and I sincerely mean it. I'm thanking the Lord all the time that I didn't choke certain kids because I see them blossoming as adults, as fathers, as mothers. Dear, precious young man who in his eighth grade retreat many years ago, I want to say 96, 97, he and his friends, when they would have a pillow fight at the retreat, they would like to stuff the pillowcases with their boots. So, you know, when, when, when you got a little pop, it wasn't just, oh, this pillow. It was like, oh, you know. Well, now he's a Philadelphia police captain. And so he's uh, leading a district. And I like to remind him, eh. See what God does? You went from being a bad guy to seeking to protect and serve and get the bad guys. So you never know. Thank you for being vulnerable in a culture that wants perfection. Saddest thing you can see is a grown-up trying to be cool doing youth ministry. I am so glad God allows us to fumble, bumble, and stumble as we seek to love his kids. You know, you do get to a point where you can't even convince yourself you're cool. I'm at that point. It doesn't bother me anymore. 
People say stuff to me, say, ah, you know. Back in the day, it's like, whoa, <laughs> you don't want none of this. But now it's like, that's okay. I'm not cool. I'm a grandfather. I'm a Saba. Now I'm a Saba. Don't mess with Saba. But cool, I can, I can live without. Thank you for taking the heat when you deserve praise. I can remember, and, 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 and April and anyone from that time might remember, we had this, this great night here, one Thursday night. I'm not sure why we did it on Thursday. But I kind of got alerted, Gil, you're going to want to see this. Because a, a precious young man who's probably 37 now, maybe 38, who loved the Lord, wonderful, wonderful young man as an, as an eighth grader, but no coordination. And so he started and he was on a run and somehow had problems stopping. And so at the end of that hallway, indented in the wall, was the form of this young man. And, you know, I'm thinking, this is not good. <laughs> it's not good at all. There's like no way I could explain it. You know, at the time, our whole hallway was decorated with various scripture posters and posters of popular culture. And I was thinking, there's no way I could even cover this with a poster. <laughs> and I knew who was going to see it first thing Friday morning and report me, you know. And so what do you do? You report on yourself first. Excuse me. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, how you doing, Pastor Joe? Um. There's like this, uh, there's this, there's this, we're redoing a wall here. And um, I just want you to know about it. We had a great night. A lot of kids. God was here. But, but one of them just didn't know how to stop himself. You know? And, you know, you just go with it. It's like, hey, it is so much better. Believe me, youth ministry is better to be ahead. As they say in, in the world, of, you get ahead of the situation, you get ahead of it, you know. And he was gracious, and, and the, the wall was repaired. I believe that that young man now has two or three children, a wonderful gentleman, but um, probably still, if we had him race down that hall, <laughs> might still have a problem. And finally, thank you for loving God and trusting the Lord to use you, because he is. We are outnumbered. We are outgunned. We are surrounded by a culture that wants to choke everything that God has given us to do. But greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. And he's the one who brings forth the fruit. The wonderful thing to remember in youth ministry is you are just a small part of God's great work. A small part. It doesn't stop. It doesn't start or stop with us. We're honored to be a part, but God is going to be working. And one of the things Pastor Joe has taught me through the years is we may not get them at 14. We may not get them at 18. We may not get them at 25. We may not get them at 35. Maybe at 40. Maybe at 45. It may be in a hospital getting chemo in the late 40s, and they ask for a pastor to come from the church. They used to, he said, but by God's grace, we're going to get them. 
And I've seen it sitting with young men, not so young men in a prison meeting area, the streets, different situations. But if you are serving as unto the Lord, if your desire is that God, if, if your heart is like Paul, Lord, I just want to present the young men, the young women that you have used me to serve. I want to present them on the day of your coronation as a sacrifice of glory to you. I want to be able to say, Lord, I, I don't know how you did it because it definitely wasn't me, but they're here. Look at them. And they're glorious and resplendent with your glory because that's our mission. Our mission doesn't end until the throne. It doesn't end when they move up from junior high into senior high. It doesn't end when they move from senior high to young adult. It doesn't end when they move from young adult to whatever. Our mission is to see them at the feet of Jesus Christ. And yes, there will be tears and there will be struggle and there will be difficulty. And we always have to be careful because sometimes our, like, uh, our Joe spirituals and our Susie love Jesus kids that we can kind of tend to gravitate to, you know, they're just playing a game. They're faking it till they make it. They're just going through the motions playing church. You never know. Sometimes it's that young person, that young lady, that young man, that everyone else is saying, you know, we'll, see, we'll visit them in maximum security someday. That God is working on, that God is dealing with, that God is breaking down. You know, my pastor likes to joke. It's a joke, but it really is. It, it's not. It's the truth. I'm so glad that God saved me at 14. The world should be glad that God saved me at 14. Because he's like, you want and I was going to be, I was going to be a menace. I was going to be the guy, you know, doing those commercials, mayhem and, and menace and all the rest before the commercials. You never know. I can remember one time sitting in Deliverance Evangelist Church. It was a Saturday night. It was a Christian movie night. I went with some friends. I lived in West Philly. This was all the way in the Omni section. We were there. We're in this theater. We're there to see some Christian movie. I don't know, Distant Thunder, whatever. I can't even remember. But I do remember saying, yo, what? Yo, man, we can go to the bathroom right now. We can go right outside, take care of this. And people are like, dude, you're in church. I don't care. He said something smart. You want? Let's go. And the, the beautiful thing is, God got a hold of me in that church and used me in youth ministry, raised me up to serve as one of the ministers there. And I saw that young man at a funeral probably about six months ago. He actually did some hard time. And it was good to see him, put my arms around him and um, see the work that God had done in his brother. So you never know. Somebody could look and said, I'm not taking that dude with us anymore. He's just... He's not even getting a ride home. We're putting him on the subway and the L, and hopefully he makes it. But thank the Lord. Someone calmed me down, watched the end of it, and I know I was probably shaking a little bit during the invitation. But don't give up. Who knows what God will do? All right, will you turn to Romans chapter 14? I'm sorry. Turn to Romans chapter 1. I'm going to look at verse 14. I'm so glad I didn't say, like, 
Colossians or something, because then he was at chapter 14. Dear Lord, where'd this guy go to Bible school? So chapter 14 in Colossians is only four chapters, man. What Bible are you using? Heavenly Father, I bless your name. You are good. And Lord, it's such a, a lame word compared to what you have done and who you are, but it's the best we got. Someday, Lord, I look forward to a vocabulary that is worthy of your majesty, your beauty, your holiness, your grace. But right now, I just want to say you are good and you do good. And I ask you to open the eyes of our hearts to see Jesus. Open the ears of our spirit to hear you speak. Lord, I pray that guilt trustee is hidden behind the cross and that the one who is, who's beheld and desired, the one that is captivating us, is Christ Jesus, the precious Lamb of God. So Holy Spirit, I submit to you. I ask that you would minister to, to the youngest young person here all the way through the oldest servant leader. That you would meet us, breathe on us, edify us, encourage us, correct us, cleanse us, stir us. And may we be wrapped up, tied up, tangled up, and filled up to overflowing with Jesus. That he would be our all and all. All the time, in all places, all to his eternal glory in the name of the one who loved us and gave himself for us amen you know as we were singing you are good i, I was reminded monday night or monday the fourth uh, at our welcome america celebration there were two police officers that were shot one in the shoulder one he was shot in the head but it was a graze wound Bless the Lord for that. And uh, I serve as a chaplain to our to Philly's Highway Patrol and their SWAT unit and Homeland Security units. So I'm getting some texts and calls, and I'm thinking to myself, after the way I grilled and the way I ate, I was just looking forward to, like, I'm going to lay down. And then I look in the text and get in the call, and I'm like, honey, I need to go. I, I need to get, I need to be down there. So head, down, head downtown to Jefferson, told the block, hey, yo, I'm, I'm highway chaplain. I got to get in, man. Come on in. Parked on the sidewalk, headed in the hospital, went through the, there were the, the, the camera stuff, saw the commissioner, just was like, hey, I'm going through the room. I, you know, I, I'm his chaplain. Excuse me. And there talking with him, seeing his wife, his, the officer's mother, his grandmother, and he's sitting there, and his head is bandaged. He's got the gown on, but still has his highway boots, and his boots and breeches still on. And we're talking about, you know, a few things. And as they finish, and, and to the, the, just the sheer joy of the, the, the company of officers that were lined up waiting to greet him, and the, the Harleys that were uh, revving up, waiting to escort him to Delaware County to his home, I was outside of his room, and as he's walking past, I'm going to walk out behind him, shakes my hand, and I said, God is good. And he had the biggest smile. He said, all the time. 
Because when a, when a bullet gets lodged in your cap instead of in your skull, you're like, no play. God is good. And it, it was a great opportunity the next day and, and throughout to minister to, the, to his fellow officers about the, the graciousness and the goodness of God. What is the gospel? Would you guys run that? What is the gospel? What is the gospel? It's the most important question you could ever ask with the most significant answer you could ever receive. The gospel is an announcement. It's not good advice, it's good news. Good news about freedom and forgiveness for bad and broken people. The gospel is not something you do for God, but something he did for you. The gospel is simple yet profound, so basic that even a child can comprehend it, yet so deep that no scholar, author, or philosopher could ever uncover the full scope of its depth and riches. The gospel is beautiful. It is light in your darkness, strength in your weakness, hope in your hurting, grace for your guilt, mercy for your misery, healing for your soul, joy for all people. The gospel is shocking. Innocence in the place of righteousness, holiness in the place of shame, son of God in the place of sinful man, God without honor, Lord without breath. The gospel is about Jesus Christ, born in a manger and raised by a carpenter tempted by Satan but filled with the Spirit, baptized by his cousin and affirmed by his father, questioned by leaders but loved by outsiders, befriended by sinners, betrayed by his friend, respected by some, rejected by most, crucified for all, buried in a borrowed grave, resurrected on the third day. The gospel is a gift, costly for God but free to you. Salvation is not a reward for the righteous but a gift for the guilty. It cannot be earned and it cannot be lost. The gospel is about grace. No one is so good that they don't need it, and no one is so bad they can't have it. The gospel is not just a clean slate. It's a final verdict. Not guilty. The gospel is about strength that no enemy can defeat, peace that no suffering can steal, hope that no storm can wash away. My hope is built on nothing less and nothing more than Jesus' blood and righteousness. The gospel is about God. He is infinite and unparalleled. He is strong and gentle. He's the King of heaven, Lord of armies, the healer of hearts, and the light of the world. The gospel is about you. Your move. Not clean up your act, but come as you are. Because Christianity isn't acting like you have it all together, but admitting that you don't. That is the gospel. Romans chapter 1, you know, this, the, the, he, there's a couple different YouTube videos that Dr. Vodibakum discusses this whole subject of do you truly believe the Bible? Excellent, good to, to watch for believer, for non-believer. And he, he, he wraps up saying, do you truly believe the Bible? And if so, why do you believe the Bible? And he breaks this down to this final conclusion of, I choose to believe the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, basic instruction before leaving earth, Genesis to Revelation, because it's a reliable collection of historical documents 
written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses reporting supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of specific prophecies and claim their writings are divine and not of human origin. And as we grow in the Lord, we're like, hey, you can attack it all you want. You can burn it. You can throw it in the water, dump it in the ocean. You can cancel culture the word of God, but you can't stop it because it's the living word of God. It comes to us from outside of time and space. And it will be thriving a trillion years from now. Because Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. And that's the other thing, my brothers and sisters, who are serving in youth ministry. God's word is tried, tested, and found true. And we don't ever have to back up, let up, give up, or shut up when we are declaring his word. It's a difference about our opinion. It's a difference about what we feel. But when it's the word of God, I'm sorry, there's no backup there. Because it's his word. And we can speak it with authority, with compassion, with courage. And we have to get out of our mind that we're ever going to be embraced or welcomed by the world or culture we live in. It's not going to happen. They hated our king, and if we represent them, they're going to end up hating us. Now, it's the hate we should not, you know, we should not you know, fall back because of that. What we should determine is you may hate me, but you will have to respect me because my creed and my conduct, my belief and my behavior, they are in sync. I'm not talking one thing and walking another. So hate me because I love Jesus, but don't hate me because I'm a hypocrite. That's where we want to be. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? It is good news that overcomes a bad news world. Romans chapter 114, Paul, by the Holy Spirit, writes, I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. For I, do, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Then if you would just walk a little bit with your fingers to the right, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preach to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, 
if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, Peter, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. Now the gospel means good news. But what is the gospel? It is the glorious reality it's the it, it's it's broken down this way the person of the gospel is Christ Jesus the god man who left his place to come to our place who took our place our sin our shame our punishment stretched out his arms on the wooden cross bled his life into the ground Declaring forever, I love you to infinity and beyond and beyond. The gospel's about a person. About the, the greatest of all. The glorious, preeminent, surpassing all creator. Who was willing to be one of us. To live Divine nature and human nature melded in a way that a zillion years will still never understand. It will always be a wonder and a delight. We won't be so fixated on proving someone else theologically wrong because we'll be looking at them and we'll be soaking in. It won't any anymore. We won't be singing the Gaither song because it's a great song. We'll be singing because we can't help it. How great thou art. It's the person of Christ. Our glorious, preeminent, surpassing all. Creator. Kinsman, redeemer. A scriptural principle teaching where you could be rescued by someone who was kin, who was family. And so he became can. He became the creator, became Imago Dei, an image bearer, all divine and yet all human. When I was growing up, I was in um, vacation Bible school. I want to say I was four or five. It was, at, it was at Holy Temple Church of God in Christ in West Philadelphia. And my mother was so moved by the Bible verses that I learned that she you know, began to put into practice that when we had dinner together, we would each say a Bible verse around the table after prayer before we ate. Well, for as long as I can remember in my mind, no matter what day of the week, what the meal was, my father said the same verse every meal. Jesus wept. 
And after a while, it's, you know, you grow up, it's like, Dad, you know, there's a lot of the Bible that I know. That's the only verse I know. Well, you know, I, I, I told him a number of years ago, I said, Dad, you had no idea. The shortest verse in the English Bible, the, only, the verse that you would say every meal, you know, he was a Philadelphia police officer, ballistics expert, so it depended on whether he was there or not. I said, you don't have no idea. You thought two words. There are more volumes that can be written about the depth, the beauty, the pathos of those two verses than anyone could imagine. I love Jesus wept because it lets me know he was not like just the super intelligence of the universe that dropped by for a visit. He took our pain. He feels us. You're discouraged. He feels you. You're lonely. He feels you. You're angry. He feels you. He doesn't just know. He knows because he's omniscient. But he feels because he's walked in our skin. And he wept at Lazarus' tomb. When I'm at a gravesite, I was just at one two days ago. It was, it was beautiful, and yet it was so hard. It was a precious God's princess. Beautiful in her walk with Jesus. Her testimony was incredible. And yet it was... Somewhat ironic to me because, like me, she was born in 1962. And she was, you know, you start meeting the folks turning 60 the same year you do. And her birthday was in September. So she went to be with Jesus. And I know she has no complaints at 59. But as we're standing there with the casket, it's grievous to us. We know where she's at. You don't mourn a mother, a father, a brother, a sister. I have, I have a mom in heaven. I have children in heaven, grandparents in heaven. You don't mourn because of where they are, but because of where they aren't. They're not here. They're not with you. And so Jesus is standing there. He knows he's going to speak the word, and there's going to be a recreative miracle. That man who has been dead, that physiology that was dead for four days, and any of you involved in medical in, in, in the medical profession, you can tell, let us know what totally happens to your body within four days, and yet he was going to say, Lazarus, come forth, and Lazarus was going to come forth. So what was Jesus groaning in his spirit about? Why was he trying? trouble why did he weep because of the pain he saw in us because he he knows what it's like for you and me to deal with this thing called death it seems to beat us like we stole something we never seemed to win and he came in our skin and became one of us so that he would become the terminator of death the last enemy to be destroyed but i am so glad that's 2 Corinthians 1 tells us he's the God of all comfort. That means, you know, when you are in a relationship, a dating relationship or a romantic relationship and you break up and it's no big deal to anyone else, but you are crying in your pillow, he cares. It matters. He feels you. Whatever life circumstance may be, I bless the Lord. That in my junior high time, I was in the crew. I was popular. I was playing ball, all different kinds. But no one knew that I cried myself to sleep almost every night. 
Because even at 13 and 14, I knew those people don't like me. They don't love me. If I stop dressing the way I do, if I stop bawling the way I do, if I stop thumping the way I do, if I stop being with the cool crew, they, they don't love me. And I didn't love myself. I couldn't stand myself. I hated me. And no one knew. Pillow wet up in the morning. Whoa, let me see. I haven't worn that in like three weeks. Let me put this outfit on. Getting my stuff going. What's up, dude? Yo, bro. Hey, how you doing? What's your number? Whatever the game was. But I was brokenhearted. And when Jesus came into my world, he so loved me and filled the broken, empty places that so many people didn't know. The power of the gospel. So the person of the gospel is Christ Jesus. The power of the gospel is the power of God. I want to share with you a testimony that, man, it, it rocks me. And I'll tell you, one of the reasons it rocks me is because I know that, you know what? <laughs> this is the power of God because I, 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 uh, I tend to want to at times rewrite vengeance belongs to me to Lord could you lend me that for a moment because I want some vengeance too so when I read the power of God like this it just says sit down son I'm working on you true story the power of God to change us and to bring change to others when Chris Carrier was 10 years old a stranger approached him professing to be a friend of the boy's father he needed Chris's help in picking out a Christmas present for his dad. So Chris climbed into the man's motorhome. A short time later, the man pulled the vehicle into a field and stabbed Chris in the back of the neck. He then drove the vehicle with the wounded boy inside down a dirt road. He shot the boy in the left temple and dumped him by the side of the road in the alligator-infested Florida Everglades. For six days, Chris lay there in and out of consciousness until he was found by a passing motorist. Miraculously, he survived his injuries, but he lost the ability to see out of his left eye. The police were never able to identify or find the attacker. Chris lived in fear for the next three years until at a church event Undoubtedly, some youth ministry involvement. He heard the gospel and gave his life to Christ. He grew in his faith and decided to go into full-time ministry to help others find the peace and healing he had found in Jesus. Many years later, Chris was now married with a family. A detective contacted Chris saying an elderly man had confessed to the brutal crime. The man had a grudge against Chris's father and took out his anger against Chris as a way of hurting the boy's father. Chris visited the 77-year-old man who was now broken and weak, living in a nursing home. At first, the man denied knowing anything about the crime. But eventually he apologized to Chris. Chris explained how he had become a Christian and how God had used that terrible event in his life to share God's forgiveness and love with many other people. Chris's family began making daily visits to the nursing home, sharing the love of God with the man. 
And one Sunday afternoon, Chris's attacker received both God's and Chris's forgiveness and placed his faith in Christ. A few days later, he died peacefully in his sleep. You can't tell me the power of the living God. That cannot happen. Statistically, unimaginably impossible, except for the gospel of Jesus Christ that changes us from the inside out, that can take what's broken and make it beautiful, that can take the worst of Satan's devices and plans and flip the script and bring glory to the king of glory. Only God, only God. Now, I'll tell you, even every time I read that, I'm like a particular portion. I'm like, we're looking for this guy. He's going down. And then I'm reminded, I'm still working on you, son. As uh, my dear brother, Mike Foch, reminds me, Gil, your mother prayed you would become a gentle man. And God has answered that prayer. I'm growing into it. The purpose of the gospel is unto salvation, to rescue us. Not just a little bit, but past, present, and future. The gospel rescues us from the past, the penalty of our sin. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you could be the greatest kid. You could be, you know, headed to an Ivy League school. You could be a scholastic athlete. You could be the epitome of everything a parent would want their child to be. But if you don't know Jesus Christ, God's son, savior, as your Lord and savior, if you have not repented of your sins and trusted in Jesus, you are on the broad way that leads to destruction. You're lost, and only Jesus can find and rescue you. But if you've come to him, the penalty of our sin has been dealt with, paid for. I'm going to heaven, and, and it has nothing to do with anything that Gil Trusty can produce. I'm going to heaven because Jesus paid it all, and all to him I'm due. I, I, all to him is due. I had a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a new song, Amazing Grace, because Christ Jesus paid the debt I could never pay. Then the present. He is rescuing us from the power of sin. I am not what I ought to be. But I am also not what I used to be. And because of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the God of all grace, I am not who I'm going to be. Because he's going to finish his work in each and every one of us. And the future is he's going to save us from the presence of sin. You know, when I think of heaven outside of seeing Jesus, I think of the fact that all of the junk in the trunk of my heart will be gone. No more pride, no more selfishness, no more condescending attitude, no more, no, no more of me. The stuff that, you know, I tell, I tell my people all the time, I walk on water in this building. It's at home that I crash and burn. It's, it's in the car 
Whoa, you want to come? Oh, do you, you, you know, that's where it's like, you know, here's like, Gil, you're so nice. And I'm like, no, I'm not. It's Jesus. If you see any niceness, it's him because I'm not. Because I'm afraid of me without Jesus. It's him. But think about it. In heaven, there will be no more, no more broken, fallen, selfish us. I like to think of it this way. Maybe you're like me. I hope you're not. But maybe you struggle with me. You're at an awards assembly. And we like to call on so-and-so and so-and-so. And you're like, you know, I'm really smarter in calculus than that guy is. I missed the test. I had, I had three answers wrong. He got a, a, a 99, but I really shouldn't get that calculus award. But no, it's going to him. In heaven, let's just say the, the lamb calls Chuck Chandler up because in a, another dimension, on the 15th planet of the 7th nebula with the purple waterfall, Chuck wrote a song of worship that delighted the Lord. He's like, my son, Chuck, he blessed me. I'm going to be more happy for Chuck than Chuck. I'm like, hey, Chuck is awesome. Praise the Lord. He did something beautiful with you, my brother. I'm so happy. That's heaven. Because here, I'm like, but Lord, what about the poem I wrote? Come on now. Here, I, 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 I struggle. Uh, you know, so past, present, and future. The people who, to whom the gospel sent everyone, the whosoevers, you, me, even them people, the gospel is for. You and I will never meet and will never see on a screen another image bearer, another human being that God doesn't want. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. It is the will of God that each and every human being comes to Christ Jesus. Now, will each and every human being? No. But it's the Lord's desire. It's, just, it's what he wants. You know, I, I, you know, we all have heard various profanities and, you know, and, and probably among most Christians, you know, dropping the F-bomb. Like, oh, man, don't do that. But you know what is far worse than the F-bomb? To me, the worst thing you can say to another human being is to tell them to go to hell. Worst thing you could ever say to another human being. Because God left his throne to stand in front of the pathway of hell and sacrifice himself, take the sin, the shame of every human being, whether incarcerated or not, the up-and-outers, the down-and-outers, the drug dealers, the human traffickers, the terrorists, the quote-unquote good people. He doesn't want anyone to go to hell. And I've learned that myself by his word, but even more by his correction. It was a number of years ago, and there was a man who had taken Amish girls hostage in a little one-room schoolhouse, and he had killed, I think, nine of those, those precious, precious girls, and then killed himself. And I can remember, I was sitting at the dining room table. I don't know, I don't know if I was working on a message. I was doing something for Crosswalk, something, and I remember thinking to myself, I am glad that man went to hell. How could you do that dastardly dog? And the Holy Spirit gripped me up for real. Don't you ever, ever say that. That is not my heart. 
I didn't come so that anyone would be lost. I came that they would be saved. If you only knew what hell was like, you'd never want anyone to go there. You don't say that. And I'm like sitting there in a chair like, ooh, I'm in trouble. The heart of our God. So the worst kid in your school, the worst member of your family, the worst person you may see on a screen today, Jesus still wants to save that person. We may have our issues and struggles, but he is declared in his word. He desires all men to be saved. Plan of the gospel is acceptance to everyone who believes. The particular result is that the just, those who respond to the gospel shall live by faith. That we would live our life submitted to God's word, surrendered to his will, saturated by his spirit, satisfied by his person, his presence, and his power. Brother A.W. Tozier said, we please him most, not by frantically trying to make ourselves look good, but by throwing ourselves into his arms with all our imperfections and believing that he understands everything and loves us still. So this is good news. But what should you do with it? Three things. First, you accept the gospel. If you are not a follower of Jesus, he brought you to this conference for you to give up and receive all that he has for you, his love, acceptance, and forgiveness. First, accept the gospel. Second, you who are believers, including myself, we are to live the gospel. Now, I want to say this to you. I know what it's like to be in junior high. I know what it's like be in high school, to profess Christ, to share Christ, to minister Christ. To be asked the questions, to be looked at in science class when something's said, and they know you believe the Bible, I know you disagree, but you are living in a generation where it is hard. Where it, it's hard, and I want to encourage you, according to the word of God, to ask the Lord to give you courage courage not to be ashamed, not to be apologetic, not to take down, not to feel like, yeah, you know, not to ever come off like, you know, I don't really believe that stuff, but my parents make me go. No way, no how. May God give you, as we used to have a poster in junior high years ago, get a spine, it's time to shine. May God give you the courage to be his, not weird, we all know how hard it is to try to work out when there's been a weird Christian around. But to be genuine. If you're a ball player, be genuine. If you're a performing artist, be genuine. If, if, you're, if, you have, uh, if you're gifted with uh, um, manual dexterity and you're, you're gifted in, in, in a particular vocation, you know, be genuine. But may the Lord give us all courage. You know, it was, it, it, we needed, and in our, in our fellowship, we were, Sunday night we were praying, asking the Lord, as in Acts chapter 5, give us boldness. And third, you share the gospel. You know, I grew up with friends don't let friends dry, uh, drink and drive. And that is good. But for you and me, something even more intense is friends don't let friends go to hell without hearing the good news of heaven. 
We don't want anyone to be able to say, you never told me. We were in the locker room. We played for the same travel team for six years, and you never told me about Jesus. You never shared with me about who he is and what he's done in your life. Now, I'd like to end with this. In 1791, as an older man, John Wesley wrote a letter to William Wilberforce, who was just beginning his journey of fighting for the abolishing of slavery in the British Empire. And he was outmanned, outgunned, surrounded. And Wesley wrote him this letter. I'm going to read a portion of it. He said, unless the divine power has raised you up to be as Athanasius Contramundum, Athanasius, one of the church fathers, he was called Athanasius Contramundum, Athanasius against the world. Because truth that he stood for, the populace was against. But he stood for that truth about the person, the divinity of Christ Jesus, and he was vindicated by the Lord. And we believe what we believe, taught by the scriptures we've been taught, because Athanasius was willing to stand against the world. Unless the divine power has raised you up to be as Athanasius contramundum, I see not how you can go through your glorious enterprise in opposing the execrable, execrable villainy. And execrable uh, means worthy of damnation. The execrable villainy, which is the scandal of religion, of nature, and of human, and of the human race. Unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. But if God be for you, who can be against you? Are all of them together stronger than God? Oh, be not weary in well-doing. Go on in the name of God and in the power of his might. Tell even American slavery, the vilest that ever saw the sun, shall vanish away before it. Wesley concluded the letter that he who has guided you from youth up may continue to strengthen you in this and all things is the prayer of, dear sir, your affectionate servant, John Wesley. And as William Wilberforce and what God put on his heart, planted him where he was, when he was, he has called you for this generation. He has called you for such a time as this. And it may truly be, you know, forgive me. Some may say I'm going to go a little geeky on you. I don't take it that way. But if you've ever seen the, the Lord of the Rings movie, The Two Towers, near the end of that film, as the, the orcs, the, uh, the orakai are seeking to break into the last stronghold, King Theoden, weary, broken, afraid, makes the statement, what can man do against such hate? 
And then Aragon says, ride out with me. We're not going to run from it. Let's run to it. Because we have a promise that on a particular day, there's going to be rescue. And we have a promise. Greater is he that is in us. If God be for you, who can be against you? We have a promise that we will suffer in this life in one way or another. But we will enjoy the glory of God. We have a promise. Can you imagine the moment that Stephen, Stephen, whatever the way you prefer to say it, saw Paul into glory? Can you imagine what it was like for him to see the very one that was like, kill that dude and get it done now? And he's coming in the glory of God because Stephen didn't punk out because he didn't back up, because he didn't say, well, I know you guys don't want to hear this, so let me tell you a scripture, for something about the Old Testament that will tickle your fancy. Because he declared Christ Jesus and him crucified. He paid with his life. But can you imagine that hug? Can you imagine the glories of Christ in those two men embracing each other? I was responsible for killing you. And your message broke me it got deep inside and the more i hated jesus and the more i hated christians i could not get away from the look on your face when we're dropping that last brick on your chest and you said father don't lay this don't lay this against them don't lay this to their charge and i'm not just saying this for you i'm saying it for me I need and we need to embrace the promise of God in Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will help you. Yes, I will strengthen you. I will hold you up with my righteous right hand. In closing, I want to ask this not just for y'all but for us he chose us to be he chose me to be born so that I would be 60 in 2022 he chose you to be born so that you would be 13 or 16 or 18 or whatever age he chose us we're not here by accident we're here by divine appointment The sovereign God said, I want you to be this age at this time, in this culture, to be mine. And I want you to think about this. I'm not in any way seeking to tickle any emotions because what we need is not emotional. We need the presence and power of God. But if you, like myself, you know, has become popular you know, to give you a little video of deconstruction. This is why I'm not a Christian anymore. This is why I don't believe the Bible anymore. I'm cool now. I, don't, I ain't walking with the rest of them fools. This is what I believe has become popular. Well, I want you to know my heart cry is this, the, the, to stand with my brother Keith Green and sing, I don't want to fall away from you. I want to be yours. 
to the last breath. I want to be yours. I want my seconds and my minutes and my hours and my days. I want my weeks and my months, whatever years I may have, if I have them, I want them to be yours. I don't want to be a coward, Lord. I don't want to be a Demas. I don't want to forsake you loving this present world. I don't want to be a Judas and sell you out for what seemingly would profit me. I want to be faithful. And it may be my last thought of Jesus is as someone pulls the trigger on a clock 19 at my temple. But so be it. I don't want to fall away. I've seen God powerfully and graciously save. It was on my 40th anniversary, class of 80, 239th class of the Central High School. And we had a Zoom because it was pandemic a couple years ago, 2020. And, and guys are on from all over the world. And one of my joys was, it were like seven or eight pastors. I was in a Bible club when I was in high school. And we were whack. I mean, we loved the Lord, but we, we, were, we were like, okay. I don't know if he led us to do it, but we did it as unto him. And one, I, I, going into, and, and, and this was uh, central, was, had a very high, heavy Jewish population at the time. Going into our senior year, we somehow, I don't know who got it, but got a, a, a mailing list of every student in the school. And we sent every student this package with a gospel of John, a track, this, some other stuff. And man, that first day of senior year, it was hot when you walked on that campus. They were like, we know you were one of them. I was like, who, me? Would stand on the corner, broad Nami with a megaphone. And guys would hand out tracks and would be preaching to girls high and central and Omni high schools. They all converged. And there's pastors, and there's believers in a variety of levels. And I thank the Lord he allowed me to be a part of something like that, that he's continuing. I mean, our, our, our quarterback on our public championship winning team actually attends church here. But at 60 years old, I don't want to back up. I don't want to lose my, my courage. I want his boldness. My neighbors need to know Jesus. The men and women that I, I have the honor of shepherding as their chaplain, they need to know Jesus. I tell them all the time, the numbers of hope are 316. We break it down. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So I'm going to close in prayer. And then I have one piece to remind you of who you are as you guys break. But if that's your desire, if you will say with me before the Lord, Father, I don't want to go halfway. I want to be hardcore, all in, all of me, all for Jesus, all the time, in all places, around all people. Not a Pharisee, but a passionate Pursuer of Jesus Christ that loves people with his love and will speak the truth in love, even when it's not popular. Not because we're haters, but because we've been called to pull people out of the fire. We are not seeking to in any way tear people down, 
but to bring them to the one who knows them best and loves them most. So if you want God to give you his boldness, to fill you with his spirit, to light you up with a passion for Jesus so that what people see is you're genuine. Would you stand? I want to pray with you. And I want to pray myself. I want God to do this in me. My world needs Jesus. My world needs the message of the gospel. I am a man who wants biblical justice for all people. But I also realize that the one who executes righteousness and justice for the oppressed is the one who was oppressed, who was busted and broken and humiliated and tortured, who was rejected, who was cursed out. The living God was called a demon. He gave himself to rescue the oppressed. And in our desire for justice, in our desire for righteousness, in our desire to be pro-life, you can't be pro-life and not care that people are going to hell. We don't want the babies killed. We want them to be born and grow and cared for. And we want to see them come to Jesus. Pastor Joe reminds us all the time that we want an end to this horrible, this mark of, of shame against our nation. But what will it mean if we don't see Christ win the moms and dads who would have gone that way? So if you stand with me, let's pray. Let's, let's cry out to the Lord. We need him. I need him. What is the gospel? It's the power of God unto salvation. You know, the other day, my wife wanted me to listen to the first chapter. Uh, we were listening to an audio book of Will Smith's book. And as I listened to him, all I could think about is, Lord, this man is, he, he seemingly had everything that everybody would want, and yet he was so broken. He needs you, Jesus. He is, he's the poster child that fame and fortune, that everybody knowing your name does not, does not fix the brokenness on the inside, the brokenness from childhood. We all have in one way or another realized that people that seemingly have it all together without Christ, there's a hole in their soul. Nothing will fill it. Oscars, Grammys, Tonys, Emmys won't fill it. I had the privilege when the Eagles won the Super Bowl in 2018 to be a part of the parades, you know, from the whole length, the whole shebang. And after the Eagles came back to, uh, to Lincoln Financial Field, I was uh, with Highway as we escorted them back. They took the Super Bowl, the Lombardi Trophy, and they said, we want you guys to hold it, take pictures. And after a while, like, yo, Pastor Gil, you got to get a picture of this. And they're like, are you going to kiss it? I'm like, no, I'm not kissing it. Too many people have kissed this thing. But I remember the feeling holding it. Now, I'm a lifelong Eagles fan. I have cried tears. I have broken stuff. I have wanted to hurt people. You know, I won't go into it, but you don't know. This was like, finally. Thank you, Lord. And I'm holding it, and, and, and I'm thinking, you know, nothing's really changed. It's not like I'm holding the scripture that really can make a difference. It's like, this is nice. It's cool, but... I really thought, you know, I wasn't trying, I didn't say anything, I wasn't trying to be spiritual or deep, but I'm thinking, I've wanted this since I was a little boy. And, and I'm actually holding it. 
and it's not doing anything for me. It's just nice. It's a great picture, but it's just not. It, it, and, and, and we have to realize that no matter what people have, no matter what they pursue, no matter what they obtain, if it's not Christ Jesus, him crucified, buried, resurrected, ascended, it's not going to fill the emptiness. They're going to go on and on being more and more deceived. Heavenly Father, we stand before you, the creator of all the universe. We stand before you, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, the immutable, unchanging, sovereign majesty. And we need you. You know everything about our world. You know everything about our city. You know everything about our families. You know everything about our schools. You know everything about us. And Lord, we confront and we can fake and we can play. But you know we're lonely. We're afraid. We're angry. We're discouraged. We look at ourselves and we're just done with us, much less done with the culture. And we hear your word and we, we bow and say, Lord, if you don't do it, it will not be done. So, Lord, would you start with us as, as Gypsy Lee Smith once said, Lord, would you draw a chalk circle around each of us and start revival in the middle of that circle? Lord, search us and know our hearts. Try us and know our thoughts. The secret stuff, the games we play, Lord, the way we're able to be one way in youth group and another way in the locker room or another way on social media or another way with our friends or with that romantic attachment, Lord Jesus. Lord, the way as adults we, we forget and we play the same games people play, Lord, seeking possessions and power and pleasure. And it's all empty. And I pray that for every 11 and 12 and 13 and 14 and 15 year old on up in here. That they will know now that only you satisfy. Only you satisfy. The other stuff is nice. Lord, the Lombardi trophy is nice. But it does nothing for our spirit, our soul. It's just nice. We want more than that. We want to be totally saturated with the life and power and beauty of your spirit so that we live for you supernaturally in natural ways so that mom and dad and step-parent, grandparents, brother and sister, people who are close to us will be able to testify they know Jesus for real. My brother's not religious. He has a relationship with Jesus my granddaughter is not religious. Jesus has changed her from the inside out. Do that in us, Lord. I pray that you would renew our minds in the word of God. Restore our souls in righteousness. Refresh us in your love. Revive us in the Holy Ghost. And Lord, would you light the fire again. Help us fall in love with you only to keep falling in love with you over and over and over and over again. And forgive us, Lord. We've, we've been thermometers rather than thermostats. We played chameleon 
We know the color to switch into a church and we know the color to morph into on the school bus or when we're on a gaming site with folks that we know from different spots. Lord, would you work in us as you did in Peter and make us each Petros, little stones, little rocks, little little chips off of the rock of ages, the king of glory. So give us holy boldness as your sons and daughters asked you in Acts chapter 5. Would you please give us holy boldness that we would not be ashamed of the name of Jesus, that we would not be apologetic about choosing to follow Jesus and submitting to his lordship, that we wouldn't walk with our heads down thinking what's wrong with me instead of rejoicing what's right with us because Christ is in us the hope of glory. So, Lord, for the rest of this conference and throughout this summer, would you meet each of these precious, beautiful young lives and those that are here that serve them, that are with them. Lord, would you grow us in faith and hope and love? Would you grow us in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And would you start a spark in us and among us that becomes a flame, that grows to be an inferno, Lord, that lights people up, that causes people to see who you are in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may they be attracted to you in us. Bless us that the fragrance of life in Christ Jesus would diffuse from each and every one of us into the places of death where we go and others would be drawn to you. And I pray in our families, in our schools, on our teams, with the folks we hang with, break the blinding power of Satan over each and every one of their hearts, minds, and lives and open their eyes to behold the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We submit to you. Have us, Lord. May we withhold nothing. May you have all of us and be as we used to sing, the Lord of all the kingdoms of our heart. In the name of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> One more thing, and I know you guys will be breaking. Uh, forgive me. I just want to share this last clip with you because when you are a recipient of the gospel, when you believe the gospel... You want to then believe what the gospel author, the king of glory, says about you. Who am I in him? Here's some ABCs of the gospel. God bless you. The Lord be with you. Grace and peace. It was a true privilege and honor to have this time with each and every one of you. May the Lord have his way. May we be able to, with our, 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 our folks that uh, produced the movie Woodlawn and those that lived through that move of God in, um, in Birmingham, may we be able to say in our families, in our youth ministries, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our fellowships, may we have the joy of saying, this is what happens when God shows up. 
Would you run that for me, bro? Because of Jesus, I am a accepted, adopted, approved, and alive. I am an ambassador for Christ. I am B, beloved, blessed, born again, and a bond servant of Jesus. I am C, chosen of God, a child of God, citizen of heaven, and crucified with Christ. I am D, delivered from darkness, dead to sin, and a disciple of Jesus. I am elect, I am forgiven and free, I am God's workmanship, I am an heir through God and hidden in Christ. I am the image of God and forever in Christ. J, I am justified by faith. K, I am kept for Jesus and known by God. L, I am the light of the world and loved by the Father. M, I am more than a conqueror and a minister of reconciliation. And I am a new creation. I am not ashamed. I am not forsaken. I am not condemned and I am never alone. I am an oak of righteousness. Once was lost, but now I'm found. I'm a priest of the most high and I am pleasing to God. I am qualified by the Father. I am redeemed, righteous, rescued, ransomed, and reconciled. S, I am a saint and the salt of the earth. T, I am a temple of the Holy Spirit and I am transformed by the renewing of my mind. U, I am under grace and united with Christ. V, I am victorious through Christ and vindicated by God. I am a witness of God's power, a worshiper of Jesus and washed by the Spirit. I am an ex-enemy of God. I am yoked with Christ and I am zealous for good works and for the glory of God. That's who I am. And that's who you are in Him.